It's time for the Sentinel Report with your host, Alex Newman. Alex is written for a wide array of publications in the United States and abroad. He currently serves as a contributor to Epoch Times and foreign correspondent and senior editor for the New American Magazine. Alex is the author of several books and has been a guest on countless radio and television programs and is a much sought after conference speaker. Alex is best known for his reporting and research that has exposed the dangers and agenda of globalism. As the father of five children, Alex is working to defend faith, family, and freedom from the hostile philosophies and ideas that are contrary to the Bible and the United States Constitution. And now, here is your host, Alex Newman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Sentinel Report. I am not Alex Newman, but I am Andrew Muller sitting in for Alex Newman. I'm the Chief of Operations for Liberty Sentinel Media. And guys, we have a great program lined up for you today. I am so excited to get into this. But first, we're going to start, as we always start, uh, with a word from the word. Today is from Psalm 78, 3 through 4, which says, things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us, we will not hide them from their children, but tell them to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. And guys, the reason I chose that psalm was this, because you see in the scripture this idea of remembering. We see this idea of history. We see this idea of uh, passing down to the next generation a heritage, a heritage of the Lord, a heritage of freedom. And in America, we have a terrific heritage. We have a heritage of liberty, of individual self-government tied with responsibility. And that secret sauce recipe has created the freest, most prosperous, most generous, most amazing, most industrial, innovative country in the history of the world. And we have Americans, we have Christians in this country who have actually started to hate our country, have started to hate that heritage rather than passing it down to their children. We are going to talk about that today because we must save our nation. First, I want to share with you guys something that's near and dear to my heart and to Alex's heart, and that is the biblical Christian worldview. And guys, America needs a worldview checkup. If you're a regular listener to this program, if you listen to any sort of real news, not fake news, but real news, you'll recognize this country as a spiritual sickness and it doesn't have a biblical worldview. Uh, the worldview of this country is materialism, humanism, atheism. But we need a worldview checkup in America. And this must start with the church, of course. The church is uh, the body of Christ. Um, that is the conscience of society that we need to be a part of and implement into society, uh, which is tasked with building a godly culture. So we, the people, we God's people must be the salt and light uh, and really be the crusaders in bringing about this righteous culture. So how can we have a checkup to make sure our worldview is in the right spot? Well, our friends over at the Nehemiah Institute have the answer. Alex actually sits on the board of advisors for the Nehemiah Institute, and they have this great worldview checkup. Uh, if you go to libertysentinel.org forward slash worldview, that's Liberty Sentinel, S-E-N-T-I-N-E-L dot O-R-G forward slash worldview, you will be able to see this great article, which they're scrolling through on the screen right now, which explains what this worldview checkup is. It's called the Peers Test. And there you will be able to see uh, if you have a biblical worldview. It asks you a, a series of questions. They're all from biblical scholars um, on issues of the day, ranging from gender to civics to government to economics. Um, and this is something you can implement in a small group, in a church. It's a great conversation starter. 
And maybe you don't agree with all the perspectives in there, uh, but they're principles and ideas from the Bible. And you can't argue with that. So you can compare your worldview to that that the Bible prescribes and see where you need to beef up. Only takes about 20 minutes. And again, if you go to libertysentinel.org forward slash worldview, you can use promo code AMB105. That's A as in apple, M as in mango, B as in banana, one, zero, or excuse me, 105, AMB105 at checkout to save big on that worldview checkout. And it's a cool thing. I took it. I enjoyed it. Uh, and I learned a couple of things. So I encourage you to go check that out. Alrighty, guys, we have a great guest today. We actually were going to have um, an amazing uh, guest on today. Not that uh, our guest today isn't amazing, but we had a very spectacular guest. He had flight uh, delays and travel delays and could not make it onto the program. Uh, but today we have Ryan Height, uh, who was so generous with his time to be able to jump in on razor thin notice to be able to come on the Sentinel part. And we are so grateful. If you're a faithful listener to this program, uh, you'll remember Ryan as the last few times I hosted, Ryan and I uh, broke down some very, very important news coming out of the Iowa caucuses and the New Hampshire caucus. Um, Ryan is the director of communications for Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Uh, he is a great American. He was actually hired by Phyllis Schlafly. And I said this on the last time uh, that Ryan was here, that anybody who Phyllis Schlafly hired and saw potential in is somebody who's worth listening to. Uh, Ryan really has his finger on the pulse of what's going on in politics. But beyond that, I can say this because Ryan's a close friend of mine. He is a true brother in Christ. Ryan knows the scripture. Uh, he is in touch with the Lord and what the Lord's will would be for this country. Um, and Ryan is a great uh, brother in Christ who we can talk to about politics in the biblical worldview. And the last two times we've been together, we talked a lot about politics. Today, we're going to be talking about the biblical worldview in politics, which I think you're going to enjoy extensively. Ryan, welcome to the program. Um, last time you and I kind of had a joke together and you said that uh, if I'm going to keep inviting you back on, I better keep up my little witty jokes. And, you know, with this razor thin um, time frame that we had, I was kind of thinking, what should I say? But I've got a joke for you, Ryan. We'll see how uh, this goes over. We'll see if you enjoy this. Um, a vegan right. and a Democrat are racing to the bottom of a mountain and they both crash. Who won? I don't know, but it sounds like America's losing in this joke. What's up? Well, America won because they both crashed. <laughs> so that's the, that's the See, joke. I, was close. And I got there. Yeah, you there were close. We you were close. So I wanted to give you something because uh, I said last time that, you know, we got to keep this witty going, uh, wittiness going. So uh, here we are. But uh, hopefully well, that we doesn't don't even crash need the wittiness. too bad. If, if I keep joining you this regularly, I'll be able to pick up some of the small things. Like you have a haircut since the last time we talked and it wasn't that long ago. See, I'm, I'm becoming a true regular Wow. It makes me very honored. I feel honored. Well, that's great. Yes, I did indeed get a haircut. There's no haircut promo, so you can't use promo code Newman at Great Clips, unfortunately, but uh, maybe in the future. Who knows? Um, so, Ryan, we want to get into a really interesting topic today, and this is something maybe a lot of people have heard of uh, and maybe something that a lot of people haven't heard of, but that's Christians getting involved in politics. And, and Ryan, mm -hmm. the American church in particular um, is really in a bad place, I would actually argue. Um, it's not as bad as other countries. We look at Canada and England and Australia, and it, it's not like, uh, you know, there's a huge, massive evangelical church at work there uh, that's changing culture compared to ours. So uh, we're doing okay by some comparisons. But when you look at America's history, you look at the first Great Awakening, you look at the second Great Awakening, you saw what Alexis de Tocqueville really described as these pulpits of righteousness. These were these preachers um, who like Jonathan Edwards and some of these great 
preachers like George Whitfield who were preaching righteousness. They were preaching the Bible. But what they were doing, Ryan, was they were taking scripture and applying it to the times. And I know that you are a born again believer. I'm a born again believer. We talk about the scripture. Um, It seems like the church in America really has this problem where they and and people stay tuned because don't uh, misunderstand what I'm saying here. But there's this idol of evangelism. Uh, And I'll explain what I mean by that, where it's Jesus loves you. Here's the gospel. And that's it. Nothing else. We're not going to talk about uh, the sexualization of kids. We're not going to talk about abortion. We're not going to talk about government. Those are off topic, off limits. We're just going to stick to Jesus, that he died, he rose again, and that's it. Anything else too political, we're scared of losing our tax exempt status, which that's a misnomer anyway, which we can talk about. But Ryan, as an intro to this conversation, what is your opinion? What in the world is going on with the evangelical church and even the Catholic church in America? We see this problem uh, with the Pope now saying that, uh, you know, they can bless homosexual marriages. Homosexuality is not a sin. What is going on with Christianity in America? Well, I think there's two different strains, two different questions here, to be completely honest, that you can go down. One of them you kind of mentioned there at the end, whether it's uh, the Pope and his recent statements uh, to the Catholic Church as far as, you know, and they can say doctrine isn't officially changing, but it's a wink, wink, nod, nod, pastoral allowance or opening of the idea of blessing uh, couples and same-sex marriages. Even if we're not blessing the union, it's not a marriage. What it is is, uh, you know, ultimately we're we're liberalizing uh, the faith. And, and I mean liberalizing, not in a good way, because I am a classical liberal when it comes to political things, but that's not what that means anymore. Uh, they're They're going down the progressive leftist path. That's happening in the evangelical church. It's happening in the Catholic church. There are absolutely forces, particularly in leadership, who are trying to take it that way. But what's more concerning to me, because I don't believe that's the majority of folks sitting in churches in America, the majority of them are sitting there with the opinion that I believe their leaders share, uh, which is one of either apathy or fear. You, You brought it to light, you know, there at the very beginning. You mentioned something about being afraid of, you know, coming under the gun or being perceived as too political or losing your tax exempt status or whatever it is. Um, There are always going to be places that give us more of a leftist push uh, and we can resist that. But what's terrifying is the amount of just, I I don't want to be involved. We're just going to wash my hands of dirty politics and move on. And to your point, you really, you know, cranked up to it. Well, that we've just, we kind of give this watered down gospel and then stop. And in my opinion, I, I would say that's kind of a product of this modern self-help style, you know, of evangelical gospel preaching. And it gives a good feeling. It gives technically true information, but then it stops. And that is not where our Christian faith stops. That is not where it has stopped throughout all of the 2000 plus years of history that we have as the church. It, It then moves into discipleship and discipleship involves not just replicating, and bringing new people into the faith to bring them in as believers, but to live our lives, literally order the world around us according to this faith that we have that is primary, that fundamental to everything. It drives how we interact with our neighbors, how we interact with our communities, how we interact with our voting, uh, how we interact with our money and economy, everything. And and this is where the real uh, concept of worldview comes in. If this is my belief system through which I view the world, then literally everything gets run through that lens, and I make all of the decisions based on that. So why so many Christians decide to put that inside a little bubble? Um, And and again, this is, you know, Protestant and Catholic alike, I see this same thing. Why they put that inside a bubble and say, well, I'm going to have my my faith impact, 
my personal behavior and how I talk to other people and who I talk to and try to bring them in, but, but nothing else, you know, everything else is separate. Well, no, it, it, you cannot separate all of these things that you do with the decisions that you make and how you make decisions. So if it's your worldview, it's your worldview. And, and when you start to run that down, you realize this is at, at a certain point, if it's my responsibility as a citizen in America to be involved politically, at least to some basic level, then it's my job as a Christian, my responsibility as a Christian to make sure that my Christian worldview shows through in the decisions that I get to make. Uh, and why people separate those two um, I understand why churches might be afraid of it because they've been threatened with the IRS or some other you know, nonsense that comes out of the administrative state. Uh, and that started all the way back well before we had the term deep state, back to the LBJ days when they were using government to threaten churches into silence. Uh, that's a whole podcast on itself probably you could get into. But uh, it, it really does baffle me because it's just it, it flies in the face of everything that America is and came from. Uh, the Great Awakenings, the search for religious liberty, you touched on several of those points. This is who we are as Americans. If I can steal a phrase from our illustrious president and his entire party structure behind him. This is who we are. You can't escape it. Uh, that Christian heritage is a part of it, and, and we ought to embrace it and reunite it again with our political activism and understand these go hand in glove. Uh, it's time to push forward again as Christians leading in politics. I, I think that that absolutely fits inside a biblical model, and it's the only practical way that we're going to make this country survive. Yeah. Let me let me throw some stats here um, just to kind of you know set the table here so folks can understand how bad this is. So this is according to... Um, my faith votes and, and they did some research and they threw this out here. 25 million Christians in the United States do not vote in presidential elections. 65 million Christians in America do not participate in local elections and 15 million are not registered voters. So Ryan, we, we look at this and we see that nearly uh, it's close to half um, of Americans in this country that claim to be Christian mm -hmm. come election time, do nothing. They yep. don't vote. They're either not registered to vote. Now, now let me preface this with this little fact as well. You look at just the Iowa caucus, for example, Donald Trump lost one County by one vote to Nikki Haley. You look at, the election between George Bush and uh, Al Gore, how close that election was. Now, I'm not saying that either of those candidates, Nikki Haley or Al Gore or George Bush, you know, that uh, they, they must be defeated because uh, that would take our country in some great direction. I'm not a big fan of George Bush and defeating Nikki Haley in that one county wasn't going to make that much of a difference. But the point I'm trying to make is elections are closer than people think and mm -hmm, votes absolutely. are worth more than people think. And I think there's this right. kind of misnomer where, you know what, my one little vote doesn't matter. Even my whole church's vote really doesn't matter. But there's election after election after election that we can look to, Ryan, where the margin was super slim. And when you're looking at at least, you know, and this is a somewhat old statistic, this is from 2019, where about 100 million Christians don't even participate. They just sit this out. That is a decision-making group right there. If they would get engaged and vote, I mean, right. that could really turn our country around. So, Ryan, the point I'm trying to make is this. We talk on Lindell TV. We talk on all these different articles and write and 
and speculate about how we can save our country, how we can win over voters, how we can change people uh, and their opinions. But there's a whole base in the United States, which is supposed to be unified around a worldview, and that's Christians around the biblical worldview, who are just sitting this thing out. They're sitting elections out, and they say, you know what? I don't want to choose between the lesser of two evils. I don't want to vote for Donald Trump, or I don't want to vote for Mitt Romney, or I don't want to vote for uh, Richard Nixon, or whoever it was. They always said their issue with somebody. They refuse to pick the lesser of two evils. But by them making that choice, by them choosing to sit it out, they're allowing the people who are going to go and vote determine the destiny of them and their children and their children's children. And I would argue that that self-righteous kind of almost pietist attitude of, well, I'm not going to vote for this person because I disagree with them on this one issue. So I'm just going to sit this out and, and see what happens. If you do that and you let a presidential candidate and forget Donald Trump, this applies to every election all the way down to city council. If there's a candidate who stands up for liberty, if there's a candidate who stands up for the right to keep and bear arms or uh, the right to life or the, the free speech or to any of these things, even if you disagree with them on a couple things, but they stand up for one of those pillars and they're running against a radical socialist, maybe even Marxist progressive. And you sit that one out and don't support the other guy who's going to at least stand for some liberties and you allow the, the progressive liberal neo-Marxist to win, you're an enabler. What would you say to the Christian who comes to you and says, you know what, I, I just can't do it. I can't do the lesser two evils, You know, whether it be Donald Trump or whether it be their senator or their congressman or their city councilman or their state representative. You know, There's a Republican, there's a Democrat. One stands for kind of the basic life, liberty, pursuit of happiness stuff. The other one, radical progressive. But you know what? Maybe the Republican, he's not a Christian. You know what? Maybe he's a little crass. Maybe he says things that rubs me the wrong way. I'm just going to sit this one out. Your response. Mm. Well, I mean, first of all, I would ask that person, and it, it sounds kind of hyperbolic, but it's really not. How in the world do you even live? How do you function? Because we live in a fallen world. We live in a world of trying to make choices between broken, imperfect things all the time. As parents, we have to uh, teach and train and discipline our children. And it's unfortunate because this is, I don't want to ever have to correct. I would love everything to just be smooth. I would love for my kids to behave well. I would love for them to learn well, to treat other people well, but we have to kind of correct it. No, this is not how we do it, it here. You know, we're, we're losing something. You're losing a responsibility or a privilege or this or that. Guess what? We live in a broken world and we have to make course corrections. We have to choose between things that we don't want to do. And, and that is part of the curse. We're stuck here until God comes back and wipes the slate clean. Uh, we are stuck here in the non-perfect version of his creation. So politics is just going to be like everything else in your life. Now, Politics is one thing that a lot of people think they can get away from. And that's where I would argue the whole, it's just my vote. What does it matter? You know, I don't think that's more of a math equation as much as it is an excuse. Because to your point, uh, that adds up. If everyone in the world started to have that attitude, if even just a, a 35, 45% of, of Christians or, you know, 50% of Christians in America have that attitude, look what happens. All it takes is about 50% individually thinking to themselves, it does, what does it matter? That is a very dangerous way to start approaching things because it's not going to just be politics that is going to spiral out of control. It's going to go across the board. So and this is a small shameless plug. Go to phyllislafley.com. Come on over to our Rumble and YouTube because on our unauthorized caucus live streams we do every Thursday at noon, we just talked about this a couple of weeks ago and dove into it. Uh, what is it? As a Christian looking at it, I have an imperfect set of candidates uh, that I have to deal with this year. Well, guess what? 
all of us are dealing with imperfect people all over the place. Here's the deal. To your point, you just said it. Uh, I'm not voting as a complete moral endorsement of a candidate. I am voting as a tool uh, that is in my tool belt as a citizen. This is a strategic thing. There's also gray area. Uh, do I want to vote for someone who just completely opposes my convictions? No. But guess what? One of them's not my favorite, but he represents a better chance at uh, what I heard one theologian refer to as the fertile soil in which liberty can grow, even if this guy doesn't get it. But he's going to create more of an environment for me and my faith and my church to flourish and be left alone to freely do my work as the mission, uh, you know, in the mission field of, of growing the kingdom. Then that's the guy I'm going to vote for. It doesn't matter if he's personally perfect. What matters is he is going to foster the environment in which freedom can move forward. And as you said, so, so truthfully, the other side is not. The other side is shutting it down, censoring it, killing it, destroying it. And I think that's one of the other things people need to understand. Uh, and we could dive into, I know there was one thing you want to talk about, an upcoming, well, a, a book you just referenced. Um, but I, you know, I want to let people know about a, a documentary of the same name coming out soon. But that, that's the thing that we need to understand. Yep. The modern leftist enemy is not just a political enemy by happenstance. This is the political wing of our spiritual enemy. The Marxist movement, this radical leftism, this is very specific, uh, very specifically tied to secular humanism, to a religious movement to destroy uh, the church, to destroy Christianity across the globe. That is one part of it. This is just the political wing. This all ties back to it. So it's not like it has nothing to do with the church. In fact, it does. This is the political wing of our, you know, with the church goggles on, of our enemy, of the great deceiver. Uh, and, and Eric Metaxas does an incredible job. You referenced um, A Letter to the American Church, wonderful book. He actually has a documentary coming out on Epic TV yep. February 8th. It is looming. You can go watch the uh, the trailer there, and they're going to turn, for people who don't want to read the book, they're going to turn it into a documentary for them. That'll be a cool thing to share with your uh, friends and family. But then also, another book, one of my favorites of him, uh, If You yep. Can Keep It. And this goes into the undeniably religious foundings of America. Ben Franklin. Arguably the least religious founding father is one of the ones who was enamored by George Whitfield and, and spurred him on to preach across the northeast of the colonies. Uh, you know, this was 20, 15, 20 years before uh, the war for independence. There is undeniably a spiritual, a religious, a Christian root to all of our American experience. And it is absolutely a spiritual root to the political enemy that we face now in the modern leftists. I think if the church understand that and understand that uh, sitting something out, it, again, it's an excuse. You're not actually doing yeah. anything. You're, you're not making a statement. You're just excusing having to muddle through a very difficult place in this fallen world that we have to make decisions. Others, you can't. Yeah. This one, you can. At least it feels like it. But trust me, it's an excuse and it's going to come back to bite us. It is coming back to bite us right now. Uh, people need to yeah. understand greatly who the enemy is and how it's related to our faith. And what sort of cowardice gospel do you believe in if it only speaks to Jesus loves you and go to church, but it doesn't speak to people who are dying at the hands of an ideology? You know, we're supposed to do unto others as we would have them do unto us. And what are you going to do? I mean, I know this is a, a jarring example, but there's a girl being molested and raped across the street and you have the power to do something about it. And you're like, you know what? I'm just going to go and have a quiet time. I'm just going to go and pray about this. I'm just going to go to uh, them and invite them to church. No, you need to take action. You need to stop that because it's evil. Mm -hmm. It's wrong. If somebody is going to be hit by a car and you have the power to pull them away, you're not just going to say, hey, Jesus loves you. You know, that's a good mm -hmm. thing to say. Of course, absolutely. Right. But this is this idea, and we see it in the book of James, 
that because you have a faith, you will also produce works. And that doesn't mean you're saved by works. No, but it means that your faith produces a work. And in America, in our church, we've just been like, you know what? We're just going to say Jesus loves you. We're just going to preach the gospel. And we're not going to follow that up with any discipleship. We're not going to follow that up with any teaching of the full counsel of God. I want to share really quickly, and I want to share Eric Metaxas' clip, but three quick examples in the Bible of Christians getting involved in politics. Here we go, really quick. One, Pharaoh tells the midwives to kill all human uh, baby boys in Exodus 1. This is in verses 15 through 22. Uh, this is verse 15. Then the king of Egypt told the Hebrew midwives, whose names were Sifra and Pua, when the, uh, you help the Hebrew women in childbirth, look at the child when you delivered it. If it's a boy, kill it. But if it's a girl, let it live. However, the midwives feared God did not obey the king of Egypt's order, let the boys live. So the king of Egypt called the midwives and asked them, why have you done this? Why have you let them live? The midwives answered Pharaoh, Hebrew women are not like Egyptian women. They're healthy and they have their babies before a midwife arrives. And it says that God blessed them. They stood up to the Pharaoh. They obeyed God rather than man. Second example, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. This is in Daniel chapter three, verses 16 through 18. Um, they answered to King Nebuchadnezzar when he was telling them to bend down to the golden idol. They said, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the fiery furnace if he will deliver us out of thy hand. But if he does not, be it be known to thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods nor worship the golden image. Finally, number three, Joseph in Genesis chapter 50. The whole story of Joseph, he's sent into a governmental sphere to do God's work in this institution which God ordained, which is government. And evil happens in government. People are evil. People are wicked. We live in a wicked world. But God does interact in those things. And in verse 20 of chapter 15 in Genesis, Joseph said to his brothers, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to keep many people alive. And of course, that was the storing of food uh, that Joseph helped do when there was that big famine. Um, and God used a, a Christian in government to execute a good result, even though some people meant it for evil. So Ryan, there we go. We have three examples in the Bible and there's tons. I just picked three of the easy ones of Christians being involved in civics. Um, so everyone should go check out this book, Letter to the American Church. You should read it. You should give a pastor of it, a copy of it to your pastor, and you should just pray about voting. Talk to your friends about voting. Uh, this is so important, guys. We have a country that's dying, babies that are being aborted, um, a country that's falling into Marxism, kids that are getting indoctrinated in government schools to hate God, to hate family, to hate truth and liberty. And Christians, we have a huge advantage in this country of freedom, of resources, of liberty, of all these nice materials and resources and buildings and talents uh, of different various members of the body of Christ. We could turn this country around and we could change the world if we would act in every single sphere that God has instituted. And one of those is government. Um, Ryan, we have about two minutes left. What are your final thoughts here on this topic? Well, I think you just hit the nail on the head. Um, sometimes we have to be the Shadrachs, Meshachs, and Abednegoes and say, nope, not going to do that. It's not the right thing. Don't care if you're technically the leader. Uh, and other times we have to be the Josephs. You're handed an opportunity 
to actually guide forward in a positive way. And you need to seize that equally as strongly and say, this is what we should do, not just, no, this is what we're not going to. Um, there's a great um, understanding there. Again, I, I think that what motivates people is when they start to understand the other option. Not, you know, If you start to see what will happen to the church, what will happen to you as a believer, that kind of puts the wheels on. This is not something to be ignored. And, and this is another great book and soon-to-be documentary combo, Live Not By Lies. Um, I don't know if you guys have talked about it before. Rod Dreher, a really good book, a manual for Christian dissidents, he calls it. And it is fantastic. He goes through and interviews folks from the Eastern Bloc, the hidden churches underneath uh, the Soviet uh, rule, and talks about what they did, how they fought to keep the church alive despite the state trying to crush it. Listening to that, you realize what easily could come and why would we allow ourselves to get there? What can we do now to stop that? Be involved. Uh, and they've actually, Angel Studios is putting together funding right now that that author uh, comboed with the studios to put together a documentary on the same thing. Uh, just like uh, uh, Metaxas talks about the German church and the state of it there before uh, Hitler's rise, likewise here before the communists, it's coming. And there's nothing we can do about that unless we stand up and say no and start to take leadership in the political world as Christians. Otherwise, it's coming and, and it will come whether you uh, wish not for it or, or, you know, you do. You have to act. Yep, 100%. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was quoted as to say, silence in the face of evil is evil itself. Not to speak is to speak. Not to act is to act. God will not hold us guiltless. And there is certainly no exception for the American church in that equation. Ryan, thank you so much for coming on uh, last minute. The website's phyllisschlafly.com. That's right, Ryan, phyllisschlafly.com. That's right. Sign up for the Wink email. Uh, go over there and check out the good work they're doing at the Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Thank you all so much for watching the Sentinel Report guys, we have to stand up, pray up, and show up to save this country. Thanks for watching. Until next time, God bless you all.